You're listening to episode 71 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a holistic nutritionist and women's lifestyle coach living in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I bring you thoughts or guests in areas of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle, and entrepreneurship that will help you gain confidence so you can stress less and elevate yourself to create the life you love. We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And today we are going to be talking a little bit about stress and your gut health. I haven't talked about digestion much on the podcast for quite a while, but it is something that affects all of us, obviously. Um, and how you digest your food can really play a big role in a lot of other things that you might not be expecting. So we're going to be talking a little bit about what no one is telling you about stress and gut health today. This is actually based off of a presentation that I gave uh, a few weeks ago to a group of people that they, they loved it. I got such a great response from it. I thought, you know what, I really want to share this on a little bit larger scale so that everyone can have access to this information because this isn't your average talk about digestion. Um, and I don't have your average solutions for this either. This is going to have a lot to do with things that actually have nothing to do with food, ironically. <laughs> so we're going to dig into this a little bit. Um, I'm pretty excited about this one. So today we're going to talk a lot about how to know if digestion is off what stress is really doing to us and to our bodies. Um, This is going to be a common theme uh, a little bit more often over the next few months. I've got kind of a lot planned sort of around stress. Uh, Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty pumped to to get into that a little bit more. We Today we're also going to be talking about the number one thing that you need to be doing for your gut health, which has nothing to do with food. Learning how to manage some of your stress every day because we all have stress going on in our lives and how to change up your nutrition a little bit. So we will get into the food eventually. We're going to talk a little bit about what to eat, what to avoid and dive into that uh, so that you, you have a little bit better understanding. So first off, why is gut health so important? Gut health is sort of the center and the absolute like epicenter of things like our immune function, our mental health your sleep, like your quality of sleep, your hormone health, your energy, the list just kind of goes on and on. And there are a few different ways to know if your digestion isn't really at the top of its game. Things like bloating after meals, uh, if you feel super lethargic, like if you feel like you need to take a nap after a meal, that isn't ideal. You want to have food like fuel you and replenish you. And if you feel like you have to nap after having a meal, you might not be digesting your food very well. It might be the kinds of foods that you're eating as well. That can play a really big role. If you have super low energy, like poor sleep, a lot of difficulty losing weight, that can obviously be a few different things, but digestion does play a big role there. All kinds of skin conditions like eczema, uh, breakouts, acne. If your bowel movements are off, things like either constipation or if you have really loose uh, bowel movements as well. If you aren't passing your bowel movements at least one time per day, at least. I was just talking to, to a girlfriend about this yesterday and we were talking about somebody that uh, that we knew who doesn't poop very often and how uncomfortable, not only is that uncomfortable, but that's not good for you. Like that's one of the biggest ways that your body gets stuff out of you that it doesn't have any use for. So if it's just hanging around, you don't want that. You want it to be getting out of you. 
Um, if you have like your hormones are totally out of whack, including really terrible PMS for all the ladies, if you have awful, awful PMS, a lot of that can actually end up being tied a little bit to digestion because digestion has so much impact on hormone health. So it's all so interconnected. If you have massive, massive cravings, some of that is psychological. Some of that could also be uh, having a, a big role played with digestion and your gut health in general and how all of that is doing. It's all connected together. All of it is so, so interconnected. So the effects of stress are sort of the other side of this because so many of us are chronically stressed and stress can take some pretty sneaky forms too. Things like over or under training for your workouts, over or under eating. If you aren't eating enough, that's stressful on the body. If you're eating too much, that is also stressful on the body. We, we kind of are looking for that, that fine line where it's just right. Whatever is right for you. Now, what, what is the right amount of food for you is going to differ from somebody else too. But finding that line and that sort of happy medium, that is where we really want to be sitting. If you're eating foods that aren't supporting your body. So things that are making you not feel well. Um, if you're eating all kinds of foods that your body just isn't reacting well to, if you're getting really congested after you eat, all of these things are stressful on the body. Lack of sleep is huge. That is so, so stressful. And digestion and stress, we're going to dig into that a little bit more uh, later on, but digestion and stress have a very closely intertwined relationship and sleep plays such a crucial role there. If you're dehydrated, that is stressful on the body. We don't think of these things as stress, right? But that is stressful. We are made up mostly of water. So when you are super dehydrated, that is a form of stress on your body. Emotional stress, obviously. That's often what comes most to mind when we think about stress. Um, and sometimes we don't give enough credit to situations that can be emotionally stressful too. You know, it, things like anxiety, mental health, stress, putting a huge amount of pressure on yourself, like that perfectionist attitude. I've totally been there. And that's a big problem. If you are overworked and overwhelmed, if you just feel that constant pressure all the time, maybe you hate your job. If you're really stuck in negative thinking, all of these things are stressful. They are very stressful to the body. But the thing is, is that even though we always think about food, when we think about gut health, it's not all about the food. It is not all about the food. Like look at all the things that, you know, think, think of everything I just listed. A lot of those things actually have nothing to do with food, but they still have a really big impact on our gut health. So this is where we need to get super clear on this. And the number one key to a healthy gut is spending a lot more time sleeping and developing healthy sleep habits. This is so, so important. I, it, establishing a bedtime routine can be really helpful. And I know that a lot of these things, you know, we've, we've heard before and it's like, okay, yeah, whatever. But the relationship between gut health and sleep is so crucial. Even the relationship between cravings and sleep is crucial because when you are chronically sleep deprived, even if you have just one night of really shitty sleep or not enough sleep or poor, poor quality sleep or whatever, you are more likely to crave foods that are high in uh, fat, sugar, and salt the next day. And if you start paying attention to that, you will start to notice that happening, that 
when you're sleep deprived, that's when you crave all of those foods. That's when you're, you're searching out those kinds of foods that are going to give you a bit of a dopamine hit. And it's, it's so related to the lack of sleep. So we need to get really clear about the sleep. And some of this is going to come from the basic stuff that we know, but we tend to ignore things like establishing a bedtime routine, you know, shutting uh, screens off an hour or two before bed. Um, sometimes it also involves things like finishing eating a couple of hours before bed. And by the way, that's not about fat loss or some rule about your body hanging on to calories if you eat too close to bed or anything like that. That's all a total myth. That's bullshit. The reason why I say this is because it plays a lot bigger role with your actual digestion because we need to work with the natural rhythms of our body and allowing digestion to take place before immediately lying down and sleeping. Like the meal can feel kind of heavy. It can interfere with good quality sleep and your body has other things to focus on when you're sleeping. So you, you need to be allowing your body to do those things like um, supporting the liver. The liver does a lot of its detoxification. It just, it's natural detoxifying of the body while you're sleeping. So if you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not getting very good quality sleep, or if you're eating a huge meal right before bed, so then the body has to focus on digesting instead of doing all the other things like fully supporting the liver to do its job, you're not really giving yourself the full benefit of, of working with the rhythms of your body. So it's not about fat loss. It's not that you're going to gain weight if you eat right before bed. It has nothing to do with that. Now, some people feel fine if they eat right before bed, but ideally if you can separate the two a little bit and stop eating like an hour or two before bed, that's ideal because it just gives your body a chance to catch up a little bit. So sleep is super, super important and everyone's routine is going to look a little bit different too, but routine is sort of the key word because a lot of people function best by establishing some sort of small ritual like I don't know, reading a book, or maybe you have a shower right before bed. And that's sort of like signifying these things start to signify to your body. Like, okay, she's, she's getting a shower. It must be time to get into bed. Maybe you have a shower right before bed. Some people are first thing in the morning. Some people like to do that, uh, before, before they go to sleep, whatever that's going to look like for you. Maybe you write in a journal or a gratitude journal. Uh, maybe you just like chat with, with your partner. Um, whatever that looks like. It can be the simplest, smallest things. It doesn't have to be this big, huge, time-consuming suck of your time. It can just be something super small or like a couple super small things that are very quick, very simple, but it's going to start to signify to your body it's time to start shutting things down to go to sleep. And that can really, really help you. The other thing is going to bed as close to the same time as you can each night. I know it sounds like a huge bummer, especially on weekends or something. If you are going out or there's social events or whatever, of course, there will always be exceptions to that. That's not like a hard and fast rule, but if the most of like most of the time you can try and, um, plan it to be a bit consistent around the time that you go to bed, that can be really helpful to the body to just establish that time of day where it's like, Oh, it's whenever like 10 PM, this is usually when we go to sleep. So I'm starting to get a little sleepy. That's when you might start yawning after a period of time. Once you've established that into a bit of a routine, that can be really, really helpful for sure. I love that. So number one to key to a healthy gut is getting lots of great sleep. Number two is movement. So 
not necessarily exercise, but movement. So leisurely walks, especially in nature, that's really been shown to help so much to reduce the effects of stress. And this is what we're trying to work with here is to, to reduce stress, sleeping regularly and getting enough sleep is going to really reduce stress. Movement, especially in nature is going to reduce stress. And it also helps to improve motility when it comes to digestion and your gut health as well. Um, movement in terms of like gentle yoga or stretching or something too, like just very light movement that is going to keep things moving. Um, and it's, you know, you're not, you're not being sedentary, but it's also helping with reducing stress. That's really, really the key here. Number three is to limit social media and the news. <laughs> I've talked about this, I believe before on the podcast and both of these things, social media and news can be an enormous source of stress, especially these days, especially in the last couple of years with what's happening on the political scene. There's, it, it's just like this wave of negativity all the time. And I feel like every year it just continues to get worse. It's a huge source of stress and anxiety. And if we're talking about something like social media, it can also be a really tricky comparison trap, particularly for women because it can cultivate things like negative body image and bring down your mood. And, and you're looking at all of these photos on Instagram uh, that are taken at the right angle or by a professional photographer or whatever. And it's very easy to get sucked down that rabbit hole. And that is stressful. That is incredibly stressful. Not only that, but you're, you're also just doing yourself harm in other ways. Like when it comes to your body image, and then that can affect the way that you eat and how hard you are on yourself and your perfectionism, all of these things lead to more stress. That is very difficult to navigate. So if you are following accounts that are bringing you down, like, and if you aren't sure, kind of check in with yourself. Like when you're scrolling through social media, how are certain accounts make you feel? How are they making you feel? Are you scrolling past them and it gives you this like burst of inspiration and you feel really great and light and happy? Or does it feel heavy? And is it kind of like sucking you down and, and pulling you down a rabbit hole of negativity. That's how you're going to know. And you won't know until you start to check in and pay closer attention to that. When it comes to things like the news, the news I find there have been times in my life where I have started to realize that I can check the news sometimes just out of habit. It's, it's like, it's like a time, a way to kill time. <laughs> and you know, you'll just like click on Google news or You'll, you'll have a particular, I don't know, news site or something that you go to. And a lot of our news is now infused through social media as well. So it's a fine line. That's why I paired these two together because they can, they can work very closely in conjunction with each other. And the other problem is that when we, when we read the news, which let's be honest, most of it is very negative. Your body doesn't know the difference between a real and a false threat. So if you're reading about all the terrible things that are going on in, in your country, in the world, all of these awful things that, that human beings are doing to each other, if you're doing that all the time, you're living in a constant source of stress, in a constant state of stress. I mean, you are just placing yourself in that position and your body is just going to feel stressed all the time. And I'm not saying don't be an informed citizen. You absolutely need to be an informed citizen but set very clear boundaries around it then. Like set a time limit or a specific time of day where you will quickly check in with the news, see what's going on with the world. And the thing that I always remind myself too is that I'm like, if something so significant happens, 
you will hear about it because we live in such a connected world that even if you're setting boundaries around social media or, or, you know, when you look at the news or whatever, somebody is going to tell you if something really significant happens. And yes, please, it is important, crucial, in fact, to be an informed citizen, but set boundaries around it. You do not need to be reading the news or scrolling social media 50 times a day. It just is not necessary. If you're having to hit refresh on your social media or your news feed or whatever, you probably don't, there, there's probably nothing new there that you need to see. <laughs> so if you're hitting refresh, it's probably not necessary. So just move on to something else, something that will actually maybe bring you some joy or a sense of purpose or fulfillment or something, or just put the computer or phone down altogether and go talk to someone or go for a walk, like fit in some movement, maybe have a nap, like all of these other much more beneficial things that will actually not only improve your gut health and digestion, reduce your stress, but will actually also bring you joy. So let's just start to think about things a little bit differently in that regard. The other thing about social media news, and I have been so guilty of this at times over the years, is using them as a tool to be distracted while eating. And that's a big problem when it comes to gut health too, because these are also times when we um, overeat. We tend to overeat because we're distracted. We might not chew our food very well, and that really has a big impact on uh, on digestion as well. I'm going to get into that a little bit a little bit more. Um, if you're driving while eating, like none of these things, you, you aren't even able to fully experience or savor your food, and then it's no wonder that then you're craving all kinds of things when you're done your meal potentially because you didn't even taste the food as it was going in because you were too busy scrolling Instagram or trying to drive a car, right? Like that's not going to work. So don't use those things as a tool to distract yourself while eating. Like experience your food, chew, you know, swallow, do whatever you need to do and just make sure that you're actually experiencing it as opposed to just distracting yourself with it. That's a huge, huge issue. The next one is social connection. This is another trend that has been happening a lot more in, in recent years is most of us, a lot of the time, are eating alone. And while there's nothing inherently wrong with that, it, it social connection actually releases oxytocin and it really positively impacts stress. So cultivating strong relationships with others, eating with others, making it an experience, that is all going to be so incredibly helpful to your stress levels, which the bonus side effect of that is, is that it's also then helpful for your gut. So anytime you can have a meal with a really great friend, don't necessarily eat with somebody who stresses you out because that's a problem. But <laughs> if you have like a really close friend or family member um, that you can connect with or grab lunch with someone, somebody that you enjoy, like there's so many different ways to do this. And that social connection, this is why women live longer. Overall, on average, this is why women live longer is that a lot of it has been chalked up to the fact that women are more likely to have deeper and stronger social connections with others. And guys, I hope you're listening to this because it, this is this is important, but even us ladies are tending to still start to move more towards being alone a lot more. And we those social connections are important. They keep us grounded. They they bring us joy. They they keep us connected with other human beings. And it, all of that is going to really positively impact stress and by extension, positively impact your gut as well. 
This isn't the stuff that we think about typically when we think about things like stress and, and gut health and digestion and all of that stuff, but these are really important to remember. All of these things that I'm talking about to me are actually almost even at least as much, if not more important than food. And that's really saying something like, because food is obviously like crucial to the gut health, but these things are just as important, if not more so, at least on some level than the food. So this stuff is really, really crucial. And sometimes it's the simple things too. Things like breathing, breathing. How many of us are sitting hunched over a desk all day and we're never even sitting up properly to take full deep breaths. And sometimes that can even be a great exercise before you sit down to a meal too. Just like take a couple deep breaths before you eat and then just continue to breathe normally, obviously. But those couple of deep breaths can be really calming on the nervous system too. Sitting down to eat. I know I mentioned uh, that before, but sitting to eat is really, really important and not while driving <laughs> because then we're back to like the distracted while eating situation. But sitting down to eat is really, really important. Again, it just kind of signals that you need to, to the body that you are sitting calmly that you can actually uh, divert resources to properly digest your food. Um, all of those things, really, really important. Chewing really slowly and thoroughly. That's so crucial. Digestion starts in the, in the mouth. In fact, sometimes digestion can actually start like when we start smelling food or anticipating food. And next to that, it's the act of actually chewing it is when digestion is starting. And we need to be really cognizant of how we're chewing because a lot of us are eating in such a rushed manner that we're just shoveling food in our mouth and swallowing it practically half whole. And then the body has to work a lot harder to try and break that food down. You're probably not even getting a lot of the nutrients out of it. So you could be eating all of whatever's considered like the best things, but not actually absorbing what you need from that food. If you aren't taking the time to chew it slowly and thoroughly. So really take the time to focus on that and that's going to be much less stressful on the digestion system. And the other thing is, is gratitude. And I'm not just talking gratitude about the food you're eating, but that's important too. But gratitude in general and having kind of an attitude of gratitude is going to really positively impact stress. Because when we're focused on all of the things that are stressing us, we aren't leaving any space to look around and see how much there is to be grateful for in our lives how much is there to be grateful for? Like it, there, it, it's incredible how much we all have and there's always things to be grateful for. So choosing to sit down and focus on the things that you're grateful for, when you start to, to do that over time, you're going to change what your brain is focusing on and your brain isn't going to continue to focus on the negatives and what you don't have as much instead is going to start refocusing on the abundance of what you already do. And that is going to really have a huge impact on your stress and by extension, your gut, because your gut is so closely tied to things like your mental health. So we have to be really, really cognizant of that. And something like gratitude is super, super important. Again, it seems like an odd thing to bring up in relation to stress and gut health, but these things are super important and very interconnected from a holistic standpoint. But I have to admit, there, there are some things we can do when it comes to food <laughs> to impact our, our gut health and our stress levels and all of these things. So I know I mentioned, I touched on hydration before, but hydrating is super important. 
and most of us are chronically dehydrated, especially in colder weather. It is a lot harder to convince ourselves sometimes to drink as much water as we need because we're, we're cold. And when we're drinking a lot of water, sometimes that can make us feel colder. So I usually recommend things like, um, you know, hot water with, with lemon maybe, um, even just hot water. I've totally turned into my grandmother and I, I drink just plain hot water sometimes. <laughs> um, like herbal teas. There's all kinds of different things that, that you can do there to hydrate. Yes, coffee is hot and yes, fine, have your coffee. But uh, just recognize that you need to be having lots of actual water as well as the coffee because the coffee is not hydrating you. Okay. So I just need to make that distinction. One of the, there's a, people always ask me how much they should be drinking. There's like that old rule about like the eight, eight glasses of eight ounces of water. I think it is per day. Basically just to keep things simple. I usually tell people as a very general rule, take your body weight, divide it by half and drink that many ounces of water in a day. So if you were like 150 pounds, divide that in half, 75, and drink at least then 75 ounces of water in a day. That's a very, very general rule of thumb. I just want to give you something to like start off of. Um, the other thing that I really like is water with a warm water, especially not hot, just like warm water or at least room temperature water with a squeeze of fresh lemon first thing in the morning when you wake up. That's going to really signify to the body that uh, you you are waking up, you're rehydrating after. Think about it, you've, you've probably slept for hopefully at least like seven, eight, nine hours with no water. You need to wake it up. You need to wake your body up. You need to wake up your digestion system. You need to start to rehydrate because we lose a lot of water when we're sleeping just by, by breathing and stuff too, especially like if you're a mouth breather or anything like that in particular. Um, but we need to start rehydrating as soon as we wake up and water with a fresh squeeze of lemon juice is a bonus. If not, just make sure that you're drinking at least uh, one or two glasses of water, water before coffee always as well. And make sure to drink as much water as you can be between meals. So I always tell people not to drink a ton of water with meals because that can kind of impact digestion in a negative way. Um, it, it, can just make you feel kind of like bloated and stuff too. It's not really a great feeling. Anyone who's chugged a ton of water while they're eating a big heavy meal too, you probably don't feel that well. <laughs> so if you can try and drink as much water as you can between meals, but I know that sometimes like the timing of how your day might be laid out can make it a little bit tricky. Just as a hard and fast rule, like carry a water bottle around with you, refill it whenever you can, drink it whenever you can. Um, and, and if you do all of those things, you'll probably be fine, but just fit in the water, whenever you can, that's going to be huge. Second one is fiber. Most of us don't get enough fiber either. And fiber is really important. Fiber helps to balance blood sugar. Fiber helps uh, to keep you regular when it comes to pooping, lets your body know that you're full as well. Like it helps to send those signals to the brain that, you know what, I've, I've had enough food. Um, there's so many important reasons why we need fiber. Another one is because it also helps to indicate to the body that you've had enough food. It's going to help stop you from overeating. It's going to help, uh, work in conjunction with preventing a, a, quite as many cravings too. And there's all kinds of different ways to get fiber in. Like some of the best ways in my mind to get fiber are with plenty of, uh, veggies and plants. Like raw, and if raw veggies don't agree with you, steam or cook them too. Like, don't let anyone tell you that, oh, you, you know, it, you lose so many nutrients when you steam them, you have to eat them raw or something like that. That's doesn't, that is not a rule because 
that just doesn't work for everyone. And yeah, you might lose maybe a handful of nutrients if you cook your vegetables, but if that's the difference between you eating them or not, please just eat them cooked. Seriously, like please just eat your vegetables in whatever form you need to eat your vegetables. <laughs> However you need to make that happen for yourself is how you need to do it. And some people, like I said, raw veggies might just not agree with you. I don't want you feeling unwell from eating vegetables. So if cooked vegetables make you feel better, again, please just eat the cooked vegetables. Don't let anyone fool you into thinking that there is only one way of doing things. There is never only one way of, of doing things. The world is not seen in black and white. The world is in shades of gray. And that is always, I will always argue that there are different solutions for each individual. So if raw doesn't agree with you, go for cooked. If you hate cooked, but you love raw and you feel great after raw veggies, eat raw instead. Whatever's going to work for you, just make sure to get in lots of fiber. That is super, super important. There are all kinds of gut sort of friendly foods too that are really, really great for gut health. So again, focusing on things like veggies, um, but also high quality proteins. That's really important. Healthy fats like avocados, nuts and seeds, coconut oil is, is awesome. Um, fermented foods, things like kombucha, one of my personal favorites. And if it's too expensive, you can do a quick Google search on how to make your own. And it is ridiculously easy. Um, things like sauerkraut, kimchi, all of these fermented types of foods are awesome for your gut. I really like collagen too, um, but there's different ways to get collagen as well. Everyone always thinks immediately of the powder that you can add to things like smoothies or soups or whatever. I do love that. Uh, that's a great way to supplement, but you can also just get collagen naturally from things like bone broth or salmon as well. So there's different, again, there's always different ways to do things. You don't have to go out and buy a bunch of supplements just to add something like collagen to the way that you eat. And the reason why collagen is so great for your gut is because it basically helps to smooth some of the, the inside lining of your gut essentially to really be extra supportive to gut health. It actually helps to strengthen that lining of the entire digestive tract. And as a side benefit, it's also great for your skin, um, hair, nails, joints. Like there's a lot of really, really awesome benefits to, to collagen. I know I've talked about it on the podcast here as well, but it is really awesome. And it's, it's one of the few supplements that I actually really enjoy and, uh, and do recommend to people on a regular basis. Um, the other thing is probiotic supplements. Again, I know that this seems basic, but you can definitely do probiotic. It's not a necessity. Again, depends on the individual and the situation, but if you do want to supplement with a probiotic, just look for something with multiple strains. Um, so what that means is, is that, uh, there's, there's all different types of bacteria living in our gut, like thousands upon thousands. And in a probiotic supplement, each supplement will contain a certain number of those types of bacteria to help repopulate your gut a little bit. So you want to build as much diversity as you can. So you want to look for probiotics that have as many different strains of as many different types of bacteria as possible. And it'll list right on there, which, which strains it contains. So it does make it pretty simple for you when you're, when you're shopping for one. Um, you want to look for something with high CFUs and switch up the brands once in a while too. Like even if you love a particular brand, don't, it, if you're assuming that you're taking it like long-term, don't take necessarily the same brand for like 10 years. Like mix it up a little bit because again, we're looking for diversity here and each brand is going to have like a little bit different type of strains as the other brand will. So if, as long as you're, uh, searching out like a decent quality one, switch it up. Like don't just stick with, with just one forever before you switch to something else too. 
And something else, I know I'm never popular for this one, but reducing sugar and processed foods. Like we have to be honest about that. I, I ate a donut yesterday. Um, I had a cookie today. I am not one to be like, cut the sugar altogether. Never. I will never tell you to do that. But sometimes we do have to be really honest with ourselves. And if we are basically subsisting off of sugar and you're not getting all of the good stuff, like the, the lean proteins and the veggies and, and the water and all of those things, then yeah, you're going to feel like shit and you're going to run into some problems. And all of that is very stressful on the body. Very stressful on the body. Sugar feeds, tends to feed like the sort of bad bacteria, which can upset the delicate balance in the gut. Now, again, in moderation, like, yes, have a treat. Sometimes I actually encourage clients regularly to have treats on a regular basis. I do that in my own life, but you can't just eat sugar and expect to get good results from that. That's not going to work for you. And it's so stressful. The other thing is that when we eat a ton of sugar, we tend to crave even more sugar. Whereas when I work with clients to switch them over to a, a, a type of like a style of eating where they're eating mostly, you know, veggies and proteins and, and all of those things, then with treats as a treat, like once in a while type of thing, or, you know, like something small once a day or, or whatever, they start to realize that they're actually starting to crave vegetables. And if they go for too long, then without things like veggies and protein, they're, they're starting to crave that. It's all about what you know. And if all you know is eating nothing but sugar day in and day out, yeah, you're probably going to be craving more sugar and you're never going to feel great at all. One of the happy side effects of reducing some sugar and processed foods are things like, like clear skin, more energy. You can actually taste food better because when you're having nothing but sugar, it actually dulls your taste buds. So all of these things are super, super important and you are going to be less stressed. It is so much better for your mental health because mental health is so closely tied to gut health. I hope that this is making sense. Like in terms of how interconnected all of this is, our bodies are incredibly intricate and what we do in one area is going to affect something somewhere else, probably multiple places elsewhere in the body. And so we have to be really, really aware of that. The other thing is too, is to pay attention. Like how do certain foods make you feel? Take the time to notice how you're feeling after a meal. Like, are you energized? Are you happy? Are you lethargic? Are you bloated? Are you too full? Are you still hungry? Are you craving sugar? Are you feeling uncomfortable? Are you feeling guilty about whatever you ate? It seems complicated, right? Like, but we have such an interesting relationship with food that we have to start tuning into how foods are making us feel because these patterns will start to appear and to give you some idea as to which foods are working for you and which ones aren't. The other thing is, is that when we start to pay attention to how these foods make us feel, I mean, I hope that you noticed that I mentioned both emotional and physical things that could result as from eating certain foods. Like if you're eating, I don't know, uh, a donut and you are feeling so massively like rocked with guilt about it, that's stressful. Whereas if you just had the donut and appreciated it for it was for what it was, and you're like, damn, that was delicious and moved on. And then at your next meal had some veggies and protein that you aren't going to like suffer from stress over that. And from the effects of stress, whereas if you're making yourself feel guilty, you're doing that to yourself. At that point, it's not about the donut. It's about how you feel about the donut. It sounds so weird, right? But this is the psychology of eating. And this is how 
stress ends up being so closely connected to gut health. We have to be more aware of these things. And the other thing is too, is that of course there can be potential physical side effects too. Like if, if you're feeling super bloated every time you eat dairy, or if you're feeling very congested every time you eat dairy, you know what? Dairy might not be working for you. And again, it's not a hard and fast rule. Like no one should eat dairy. It means that dairy might not be a good choice for you. So you might need to readjust how you're eating so that you actually feel really good after you eat. And anytime that we are, that our bodies are showing any type of an intolerance or sensitivity or potentially, I mean, obviously an allergy, but that's a more, much more severe reaction. But even if your body's just showing a bit of an intolerance or insensitivity, that can manifest in a lot of different ways. So, but you won't notice if you don't start paying attention to it. You have to start paying attention before you will be able to start to see some of these patterns coming together. Your body's talking to you and you aren't listening potentially. And I spent years doing that. I just wasn't paying attention to what my body was telling me. I was ignoring all the signs. I wasn't listening to what it was doing to me when I would eat, you know, like all kinds of bread and gorge on nothing but like popcorn. I felt like shit, <laughs> but I was just ignoring it and like chalking it up to other things or just not even realizing how good I could feel. And that it wasn't until I started to shift that, that everything changed. The one thing I want to stress about all of this from like the, the sleep and the movement and, and all of those things, all the way down to the food is that it's about consistency, not perfection. Consistency over perfection every single time. Every single time. That's all I want you to focus on is the consistency over the perfection. So as a quick recap, in terms of the non-food related things, um, the most important things that we can do here, number one, far and away, is sleep. Getting lots of really great quality sleep. Number two is movement. Number three is limiting social media and news. Number four is social connection. Number five is the, the little things like breathing, sitting to eat, chewing slowly and thoroughly, gratitude, like all of those, those things all tie together. And then in terms of the food, we're looking at hydration, fiber, gut-friendly foods, reducing sugar and processed foods, and paying attention to how certain foods make you feel. So in, in the, the light of all of this, I wanted to tell you that I have I, I'm actually reopening my chaos to calm five day, uh, mini course and I'm allowing signups for free. It, I actually, uh, I have been charging for it for the last couple months, but I am actually opening it up so you can access it totally free. And it's the overwhelmed woman's guide to reducing stress and anxiety. And this digs into some pretty significant issues that again, I'm going to be talking about more uh, over the coming weeks, but I'm really excited about this and I've gotten some fantastic feedback from the people that have gone through this little mini course uh, so far. And it's been really, really popular actually, which is why I wanted to make it free again, because I want to offer this to you so that you can really utilize this in your everyday life and apply a lot of the principles that I talk about. And it's, it's not focused on gut health. Um, it's focused on reducing stress and anxiety, but your gut health will benefit as a result too. So it's like a happy side effect of this. So I'm really, really excited about this. I'm going to make sure to list it in the show notes that you can jump over there, jump in, grab the course, sign up, grab it for free, because I don't know if I'm going to be offering it free for long or not. I, I genuinely haven't decided yet. So 
make sure to snag it now while it's still free. Um, I really want you to, to be able to access this. And I just hope that this has sort of given you some insight on the relationship between stress and gut health and how many amazing things you can do to change that, th th that relationship and to change your relationship with stress and to shift how your gut health is impacting the rest of you. So I really, really hope that this has been helpful and I just make sure to, uh, to jump over to Instagram as well. Let me know if there was one of the things that I mentioned in here in particular that really resonated with you the most. I'm over at Emily Goff Coach. And if you can, like take a screenshot, share it with your friends, share it with somebody who you think needs this, who could benefit from it. And I would love to hear your feedback and what, what you took away from this uh, the most. So please let me know. I would love to hear from you. And don't forget to go grab uh, your chaos to Calm course over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. Moreover, on Thursday, do not miss Thursday's episode because I have such a special guest coming on. We had the absolute best conversation and she's going to be talking a huge amount to us about stress and trauma and how it manifests in the body and what to do about it. This was the, her, our conversation blew me away. I was so excited to talk to her and she is just going to amaze you with some really interesting facts that you might have never even thought of or even considered before. So I'm really, really pumped about this. So make sure to join us back here on Thursday. Thanks so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. All show notes and references can be found over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And can you do me one huge favor before you go though? If you can take a, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on social media, I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you and thank you. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would go a long way and make such a huge difference. It really helps to get the word out there, get more amazing guests on the show and helps to get all of this information out to the world. Looking forward to growing with you.